This is an interview with Abby Chatfield. Now, who is Abby Chatfield? Well, Abby Chatfield is a public figure. And what does that mean, public figure? Well, it means nothing, but it also means everything at the same time. Abby is a social critic, a political activist, a radio presenter, a TV presenter, a podcaster, a businesswoman, and the list goes on and on and on. She has an incredible following on social media, a few hundred thousand, maybe 450,000 followers on Instagram. And so, you know, this isn't some small time player. This is someone with a very, very wide reaching voice. Um, and this is also why it's been an incredible privilege and honor to speak with someone like Abby, um, who is able to manage such a complex and sophisticated and stressful life. Now, what I just said, complicated, sophisticated and stressful, this is a major theme of our interview. So if you know anything about me or my podcast, you'll know that I speak a lot about mental health. And so I asked Abby about the impact that her life as someone who is constantly in the public eye, what this does to one's mental health. Is it stressful? Is it depressing? What does it do to her capacity to feel free? You know, can Abby go for a walk? Can Abby go to a cafe without being papped or without being hounded by fans, this kind of thing. Now, I should note that we do uh, move into quite distressing territory at some point in the interview. And so in terms of a trigger warning, we speak about suicide in this podcast, um, something that you should know. We also speak about Abby's relationship with work and motivation and, um, you know, trying to engage with people online because this is a very complex thing to do. People are very aggressive online and people don't speak in the same way that they would if they were in the real world. And so I'm very interested in this relationship and this change in people's identity, you know, the online version of the self versus the real world, often more nice and kind version of the self. So before we get on to the interview, a few things that I should mention. First of all, I am spent a lot of my life thinking and talking about philosophy, and I also teach a philosophy course. Um, it's pay what you can afford, and it's online, and it's starting again in November. A little bit about the course really quickly. I've taught over 500 students in this course. It's run for 18 months, and it's great. People seem to be really enjoying it. I've got a lot of positive feedback about the course, many people coming back for the second course I teach. And if this is something you're interested in, you should click the link in the bio of this episode um, and you'll be taken to my website where you can see more details about the course dates, you know, and this kind of thing. Uh, oh, also, the course is beginners friendly, so you don't need any, you know, training in philosophy or politics or you don't need to have studied at university or anything like this. In fact, a high school student did the course with their grandparent, which was pretty cool the last time I taught it. Um, next thing is a quick reminder that if you're enjoying my podcast or if you enjoy this episode, you can financially contribute to this project that I do. Um, there's a link to Patreon and PayPal in the bio of this episode. Um, and finally, you can follow me on social media. I'm on TikTok at Alex Hammo, 
and on Instagram at Alex Hammer. I'm also on LinkedIn at Alex Hammer if, if that's the thing that gets you going. Uh, without any further ado, here is my interview slash conversation with the one and only Abby Chatfield. Well, 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 Abby Chatfield. Hello, darling. Sorry, it's taken a long time for me to get on the call, but it's happened. It's happened <laughs> finally. I've slotted you in before Marco, my dog's chemo. So, oh my you've God. got it. I know. <laughs> He's got chemo Abby. this afternoon. I know. <laughs> oh, Don't you? Yeah. So, we've been to the gym and we had a few meetings, and then now we've got a podcast with Alex, and then we've got chemo in the afternoon. Oh, how's he going? <laughs> He's okay. Actually, he's really good considering he's on chemo. He's like, you'd think he'd be really ill and they're worried he wouldn't eat and that he'd lose weight, but he's actually gaining weight and he's being annoying how hungry he is, which is good. Oh, strong man. Fingers crossed. Yes. Good boy. Strong man. And how are you? What's up? What's been going on? You just finished just finished the, the craziest couple of weeks. Tell me about it. Just finished my tour. So I did, um, well, I did seven shows in a month, which doesn't sound like a lot, but when you're also doing five nights of radio every week. So you're doing the show, five nights of radio. I had to pre-plan podcasts. Um, thank God we used pre-recorded stuff. Um, and then I also launched my clothing brand in the last month. I've just had like the worst time I was saying to you before that I feel like I kind of had like a breaking point around um, uh, like mid-May because I did five shows in eight days and also launched my brand and launching the brand. We did the photo shoot the same week we launched it. So it was literally photo shoot, everything, all the planning. Um, so I've just had a very, yeah, I've just had a very stressful week. And I was saying to you that I've got three weeks, quote unquote, off, but three weeks off for me is still um, obviously the show every night and the podcast every week. And also um, I've still got to do things with the clothing brand now, I guess, forever um but it's still like photo shoots and and things like that so it's it's off but it's not really i'm still flying twice a week for are you serious yeah this is my off time is like still full days flying twice a week. Oh <laughs> but God. instead but at least i get one day off a week so i'll get like i'll I actually i think i get three full days off this weekend wow what i know that, what is that like what does a day off because, you know, you've said that you've got three weeks off, but then you've listed like a million things that you need to do. So, yeah. like, do you actually, do you, like, are you allowed to take time off where you're like not on social media or you're not like talking to agents, talking to like, you know, people related to your work? Do you actually get to like check out? Um, Not really, because the issue is, so my agents are actually my, like, I've become very close friends and they came to my mum's birthday last week. So I actually Mm. really, I'm very lucky. Most agents are fucked. Like, I don't know how much you know about agents in this industry, but they're, 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 most of them are just slimy, like, users who just, like, you know, are also very controlling. I have the most amazing agents. Um, they're a couple, Ben and Shane. They've got a little two-year-old boy and and mm. and they're just like my like bestie. So I talk to them for at least an hour and a half every day for fun. And then we'll be like, okay, work stuff. So agents I'm okay talking to, but it's more like with social. I took like a break, um, a break for four days after I came back from Europe. Then I moved house like the day I got back. And <laughs> Europe wasn't a break because I got, I don't know if you saw, but I got 
trolled to shit by all these Italians because I uploaded a TikTok being like, why does my menu not have prices? My boyfriend's does. Mm. I don't know if you saw this, but so basically for context, anyone listening, like I... I went to a restaurant that was very expensive in Italy and I was paying for the hotel for dinner for everything um, because I kind of forced my boyfriend Conrad to come this um, holiday with me. So I'll just pay for everything, whatever. And um, I didn't get prices. He did. I made a TikTok being like patriarchy, like just like a fucking like 15 second thing. Fucking a week later, like Grazia, Italy's writing about it. Like, really? And I, what the yeah. fuck? And it was like, even though everyone's like, oh, it's so funny, huh? And I'm like, yeah, but like. It was really sad because it did kind of ruin my holiday in a way because it was like the stress of there's like a two there's like a two part to the stress. It's like obviously the stress of maintaining content and mm. um, maintaining uh, insights and and making sure that you know I'm still getting story views because if I have a week off, things will noticeably go down. So I have to always post mm. um, not so much anymore because my income isn't really based on Instagram anymore. Um, but the second part was like I was like. Cry like a day of crying on my holiday because I was like, I didn't mean that TikTok to be a political stance. Mm. And then I just had Italians in my DMs either yelling at me via voicemail, voice note, or what? women, yeah, like, and like tagging me in stories, like, like, swear, like, it was Jesus, really, it was really fuck? quite, yeah, it was like, it was almost as much as when I was in The Bachelor. It was like thousands. It was like, really getting trolled and then the other half of it was the um women being like thank you for standing up for us like and i was like i just made a fucking tiktok like i mm. thought it was weird i was laughing about it and i was crying to comrade being like i just hate that my life that that like if i'm gonna cry about it's like it's like i just hate that my who i am as a person is so controversial that even when i don't mean to make headlines i'm i make headlines and not mm. in a wanky way in like a painful way like I don't mean it in like, I'm just so unique, but I mean it in like a lot of my whole career, I feel like it's been things that I didn't know were controversial and I do them and I just get all of this like backlash and and headlines and like she's our feminist queen or like she's a fucking bitch. Like Sky mm. News called me sinister, which is amazing what? to be honest. I know, but that was quite fun. Um, I mean, because I said... Th- only because all I said was I think eventually we'll have a Greens Prime Minister. And they wow. were like, classic. she's, classic. wow, how thick and sinister is she? And I was <laughs> like, fair. But um, I know it's it's hard when, like, you feel like you just have these views and you make content and you kind of give people a window into your life. And then everything you do is so controversial that it, that it like, even when I'm overseas on a holiday having kind of a break from social media, mm. I post one thing and it's like, you know, like yeah, people in, losing in their Italian, mind. Yeah. yeah, in physical newspapers. I don't think I've been in a physical newspaper in like forever. Like in Italian, it was just like, and then pedestrian are writing about it. And, you know, it's like, I just had like a full-on breakdown being like, I just feel like who I am to my core must be so, like it must be so weird, like it must be so weird and like not right that that mm. everything that I do ends up being controversial, co- controversy, yeah. you know? I can't imagine. I can't imagine what that experience must be like, especially like it's quite scary just making a TikTok that you think is like playful and it becoming this like gigantic controversial thing. Like, as you said, in physical print, like literally in a physical newspaper, like that's that's wild. Um, and yeah, like, you know, what, what you're saying about what you're saying about 
you know, like who it sounds like you have such a big platform and, you know, such a, you know, I guess like tabloid media, you know, um, Sky News or whoever, all these people, you know, have they'll like latch themselves onto your identity and say anything because it's going to be good for them. And I guess like one thing I often wonder about is like, what can, what's it like shielding yourself from all of this shit? Because like, there is so much shit. Like, as you said, you made a tweet about like how ridiculous it is that the menu doesn't have prices on it. Um, you know, yeah, for women. And then you get slammed. Like, you know, how do you, how do you, how do you like continue living your life and enjoying your holiday in Italy with your partner when, you know, around every corner awaits like a media catastrophe, potentially. Because Pe- people just interpret shit how they want and write about it how they want. Yeah. How do you, how do you live? Clicks. It, it's, yeah. it's really hard. I think it's why my anxiety has gotten so bad over the past couple of years and why I, I, I have a really hard time falling asleep and also a really Mm. hard time eating and a really hard time. Like if I don't work out like during the day, I I cannot sleep. So that's kind of the only reason why I go to the gym is so that Mm. I can, I've gotten rid of all my anxious energy. Like you were saying before, you know, you, 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 I'm um, struggle with depression a lot. I struggle with like peak, peak anxiety, which kind of has dips into depression. You know, when you get so anxious, it's like all overload. Then we're going to sleep all day. But um, it's, it's, it is hard to feel like everything you're saying and doing is going to be criticized. And it's not, it's not only, um, I don't know, it, I think it's because I really don't mean to be controversial. And I think it's hard when you live in an echo chamber and all my friends, you know, um, my best friends who aren't in media at all, who like work for HR for non-profits, you know, like they're fucking random bitches, great random bitches, but like no one knows they're not in media. So when we have conversations about things like, I know, about the election, for example, we'll all be like, we're all Greens voters. We're all going to be like, or independent voters. We're all going to talk about that thing. And you go, yeah, that's kind of like a normal thing young people are thinking. And then because I'm thrown into the commercial media landscape, it seems so controversial, but I feel like things that I say are, are almost like left-wing light. Like, don't you think? Like, like, the things that I'm saying are not, like, revolutionary, like, ideas. They're just mm. things that people would laugh. You text your friends going, how fucking weird is this menu? Mm. But I just posted on TikTok and then it's like, it's incredible. So it, it is, it does feel like around every corner, I get asked about cancel culture a lot. And I think cancel culture doesn't actually fucking exist. I've discussed this with most people that I work with who are a bit older. I'm like, you have to understand like who's actually ever been canceled. Mm, no for one. Good, and, for good. and yeah, for good. Mm. No one. Right. Um, so like even OJ Simpson is still doing club appearances, babe. Like, <laughs> like, like, like Jesus Christ. Like, um, so I don't, I don't fear about that. It's more like the fact that I think that my views, which are quite mild, and I tend to word them quite, I mean, I do get aggressive. I, I think I word them quite mildly or in like a funny way at least. It's hard thinking that everything you say and think is going to be a headline. And then like, for example, I don't know if you saw, but I did a video about Scott Morrison. Like my, mm. my producer for my podcast, like a song, like um, Jenny said so. You can see my Instagram. Mm, yeah, and I lost 3,000 followers. What? 
Yeah. There's like, I lost three, I haven't lost followers in like six months. I, I, I very rarely lose. I usually just have like a steady increase of followers. Wow. And I lost 3,000 followers because people were tagging in the stories accusing me of bullying Scott Morrison. Oh my God. Right? And how, like, like people saying it's 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 free to be kind. The poor man has just lost his job, and I don't agree with his politics. But I feel like you should respect him. Why the oh, fuck would I respect him? The poor man, poor Scott, poor, poor Scott Morrison, <laughs> right? So it's things like that where like you think and if you think, I just post. I post to my Instagram like it's my personal Instagram, which it is, mm. but people see it as a as I'm an influencer, public figure, which I don't really. It's hard to join those thoughts together. If that makes sense. Mm. Like, because I had a, I had a very quick after the bachelor. I was suddenly just had eighty thousand followers. So I just kept using it as I would normally. Mm. So when I post about these things, you know, a lot of people in media, I've heard them say like, Abby just posts things for attention, and like she, um, you know, like she has a plan. I apparently have a plan for everything I post, and it's just simply not true. I just post what I think, and then it causes controversy and mm. that's hard for me because i don't mean to if i meant to yeah. i wouldn't be crying about it you know i'd be like fuck yeah i got my headline mm. but i don't want that mm. yeah and it seems like you know once someone has an instagram following that hits a certain point it i i think most people automatically assume that everything is hyper curated and that this person is an influencer and that this isn't a personal profile um but you're right. Like, why the fuck shouldn't it be a personal profile? Like, you're. it's not as if just because you've got a following, you have to, like... Yeah, you have to have a plan. You're allowed to post whatever you want. And, like, you know, like, why, why is there an expectation that, you know, if, if you post something, you're doing it for attention? Like, why aren't you... Yeah, why don't you think the i don't know these people in the media why don't you think it seems like they want to allow you to have a personal instagram with such a big following i think because people you're right it's once you get to a certain point i think it's kind of you know as much as i hate saying this but like the tall poppy thing in australia once you get to a certain point people say everything must be planned because there's no other logical explanation i mean as to why she would get something and this person, this person wouldn't. And I, and I, I mean, I, I don't have an answer for things like that. Like a lot of people, again, in, I've heard, I hear a lot of things people say about me in media who are also in media and say that I must be fucking someone in, I'm like, where? I don't work for a network. Like where, would I, who, I'm not fucking some like omnipresent God, like a media God that like, you know, like I'm like, who are we fucking? Tell me who to fuck. Like, tell me. I'm in a relationship. I'll do it. But like, I think it's it's yeah it's it's interesting the expectation that I am sitting in a little corner all day every day thinking about how I'm going to get my next bit of attention when I have paparazzi at the front of my house just one every day who follows me every day on a walk with Marco really and yeah like once what I dress so you know what I mean it's like I'm I I don't I don't want to I don't want to have attention on me. I don't, mm. I don't enjoy it. It gives me a lot of stress and anxiety. Walking my dog becomes a, a, a anxious thing for me because I am worried that I'm going to 
you know, what if I accidentally drop a bit of rubbish and there's a headline about me literally, you know what I mean? It's, it's mm. things, it's like everything you do, like, for example, Marco pooed this morning, right? And it was a liquid poo. And I was like, well, I can't pick it up. It was on the grass. And I was like, well, I physically can't pick that up because it's literally diarrhea because of chemo, right? And I was like, I can't pick it up. And I, a normal person wouldn't pick it up because it's literally liquid, but I have to pretend to pick it up because paparazzi are right over there so that wow. there's not a headline saying Abby's dog pooed and she, it's like, mm. it's that, that weird thing. So I don't enjoy this. I don't enjoy the, I enjoy my job. I don't enjoy the attention that comes from mm. it. So therefore I, 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 I wouldn't really be trying to cause controversies that lead to me literally weekly getting fuckwits in my in absolute dickheads in my um dms so i don't know also where would i get the time and you know how hard it was to get me on a on a podcast like what am i having planning meetings every day about what my next bit of content is like i don't even use filters babe because i can't i can't be bothered anymore with like mm. trying to even i even increase exposure like <laughs> i I'm just, i don't do anything I'm, i just take a photo and i upload it like i'm done with all this shit so it is funny. I think it's kind of like I don't. I don't know if it's people expect me to have a plan. I think it's more so they expect something um, uh, sinister. In the words of Sky News, if I'm having some sort of success or an extreme amount of media attention, mm. you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Two really interesting things you brought up. Um, first of all, um, you were talking about how it feels like you're. You know, you've got paparazzi outside your house. You've got one random dude all the time. Um, and, you know, doing something as simple and mundane as taking your dog for a walk becomes this, like, really intense psychological event where you're like, I'm being watched the whole time. I'm being watched. Like, everything I do, every step I take is being assessed. And, like, if I trip, for example... If I, like, sneeze in an unusual way, like, you know, if, like, if anything happens, someone's going to be there and they're going to capture it. Um, that sounds awful. Like, yeah. that actually sounds like, <laughs> how, like, how, 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 yeah, it's, I couldn't think of anything worse. Like, I think during periods where I've been extremely anxious, it's felt like someone has been watching me or something. Um, and that's when I've been like indoors and, you know, I'm like, fuck, like, you know, I just need to act normal. like need to be chill, like chill dude, you know, just like fill the water up in the cup yeah. in a normal way. Yeah. Don't make freaky. <laughs> be normal. Yeah. yeah, just be normal. But like, <laughs> you know, having that when you're, when you're taking, when you're like doing something that's supposed to bring like you know, calmness and joy to your life, like walking your dog. That's like dreadful. Like, do you, is it, you know, how, how, how does it feel to feel like your actions are constantly being assessed and measured by like a very, very like critical and like a very, very like hungry, you know, media conglomerate that just like, that want you to slip. Like they want you to trip. They want you to fuck up so they can, you know, make headlines out of it. How, what's yeah. that like? Yeah, it, it it's, I mean, to summarize, awful. Uh, it's it's really hard. I mean, even I got papped in Venice in um, Italy and people were saying, you would have said out that Why the fuck 
Mm. Would I, if I wanted a photo in Italy, I got my boyfriend to take a photo of me in Italy, which I did. Like, wow. Like, and paparazzi photos were funny. I was just sculling in an Aperol spritz, but it's, <laughs> it's like, it's really, it's really quite fucking awful. And I, I think there is a point in there that it, it is waiting for me to slip up. And I think particularly because I am, and again, I don't, I don't think what I speak about on the internet is it's not it's simply not extremely left wing but in the in the eyes of commercial media and the eyes of um you know mainstream and people like sky news and even you know um murdoch media it, it i am so like wow how did she you know get this far into media let's get her out and it kind of feels like like for example I went to the post office the other day and the day before I was speaking on my Instagram stories about PR companies sending stupid amounts of packaging. I didn't just mean cardboard boxes. I mean, like when they send you like at work, I, the other day I got this like giant box and it had a cardboard clock in it where you make your own clock and it had some, um, like some badges and some iron on print. And it's like that. And it was a worldwide company. And I said to, my co-host, I was like, that's gonna go to literally every radio host in the world. That's just not that's not just like that's a that's a worldwide promo. And that is a whole landfill. So I ran about that on my stories a few weeks ago, just things like that happening. And you know, when people send you things you didn't ask for, then you're like, what do I do with this? I never asked for this, but then if I don't post about it, it's not supporting small business. But if I do post to post about it. Anyway, the next day I went to the post office and I hadn't been in two weeks. And I moved house recently and I bought things for the house and for Marco, my dog. And I had like five packages and there was a headline about how I was a hypocrite because I'd had, it was like Abby walks to her um, apartment in, in certain suburb here. I won't say where I live, but in where my suburb, very small suburb where I live um, after ranting about packaging, holding five packages. And it's like, they, there isn't hypocrisy in that because I've bought things that are essential for my house, like a lead for my dog or like, mm. but because I've said anything about trying to not literally just give shit to random people, like metal boxes that you cannot use, influencers for no reason, they don't need them or want them. It's like, oh, there's another thing we can like slip her up on. And that's like one example, even like, you know, I, oh God, th- th- there's there's like, if, if I slip up on one thing, the right-wing media want to be like, see, see, no one can no one can actually believe these things. And it's like, I just walked to the post office. Like <laughs> that's all I did. And I had my dog. Break. Like Marco was attached on my hip because I like I couldn't carry things out my water bottle. Like, you know what? I, it's it's things, it's things like that. Um, even like during lockdown, I think I was talking about similar something similar. And I had a, a reusable coffee cup because in Bondi they banned um reusable coffee cups because of COVID. Mm. And there was a whole headline about how I was wasting a coffee cup. And it's like, but we aren't legally allowed, it, it, you know, things like this. It's like they're waiting for this to be something and there's always an explanation, but what they want is for me to react and post about it and be mm. like, actually, I meant this. And they get the click. So I've learned to just like, just ignore silly headlines mm. like that. It's hard. Mm, it is hard. It is hard. Do you feel like, do you feel like when you, like in trying to ignore you know, the media, the media's attempts to like slight and attack you when they, you know, say, oh, Abby Chatfield, like, you know, contributing to landfill. 
by like using disposable coffee cups. Do you feel like you've had to split your identity in two where there's like, there's like the Abby Chatfield that the kind of online media world, you know, engages with. And then there's like the Abby Chatfield that Conrad and Marco and your family and your friends engage with. Like, are there two separate things in your eyes or are they the same thing? Because, you know, in you saying that your personal Instagram, that your Instagram is a personal Instagram, it makes me think that, you know, you're the kind of person who is consistent in their personality. You're the same kind of person you are around your friends and family. You're that same kind of person online, in on your talk show, on your tours. Um, you know, when you walk your dog, you're not this kind of, you don't put on a mask when you go outside. That's what, that, that's what I would. But, but what do you think? No, I, I, I think I definitely am the same person on and offline. The only difference would be is that like, I went to Brisbane to see my girlfriends who I haven't seen in like a year and then my friends from 10 years ago. So the only difference is people assume that I would be, you know, the one talking and entertaining everyone at dinner table, but I'm, I just want to hear about like their lives. And I'm just like, well, it doesn't matter, whatever. I think it's more like for me, those things, I think I try, I've tried to, and in therapy as well, I've had to like really separate how I think about those two worlds um, and how I exist in those two worlds. And I think the best way that my therapist and I have kind of gotten to is that like, it's what I do, like being who I am, being a public figure and, and having all these jobs that is literally a job and um, I am allowed to complain about aspects of my job. It's just most people don't like the fact that, you know, like in my old jobs, it'd be like, oh, I have, I have a dickhead boss who told me to print something for him where it's like my things I complain about, it's like there's a paparazzi out the front of my house. So I, it's not that I'm a different person, I guess, in those two aspects, but I think that I experience them differently. And I think that in some ways that makes me a little bit a little bit jaded because I, I, you know, I, I go on set for something and I'm like, this is just work. And it's almost like a defense mechanism to not be either too anxious or too nervous about being on, you know, live television. Like I was at the end of last year of my show. It's like, I have to just go in there and be like, this is work. And I'm just going to talk. And then I get to go home and, and I'm the same person throughout. And I, and I can't, I can't, I would. I don't have the ability to change who I am um, in either arena, but I think it's more about how I experience it. And you mentioned that this is something you've spoken about in therapy. Um, what, like, yeah, I guess. Why are you? Why are you in therapy? Are you, do you think that a lot of it is because of the kind of work you do? It requires, like, you know, consistent checking in and like guidance and this kind of thing or do you feel like your reasons for being in therapy have been around for since before you know your entrance into being an, an on having an online identity yeah I, i've been in therapy and been on, on and off like antidepressants and anti-anxiety medication since like 2017 i actually had a really um awful experience with a gp because i was having really bad anxiety at the end of maybe mid-2017, and I wanted to get the mental health plan. And I think it's way easier to get now. I think back then it was like it was you had to get like a full written 
like it was really weird. I, oh, I don't know if his GP was just weird, but he wouldn't give me the referral to get a mental health plan. All I wanted was therapy for cheaper because mm. I was working. Yeah, it's fucking um, expensive. It's so expensive, yeah. and I and I also needed to go to someone because I went to nine to five. I needed to find someone who could do weekends, and weekend ones are even more expensive, mm. so I couldn't afford it. And I was like, I just want to get the mental health plan to get half price or whatever it is. $80 off or something. Yeah. And it's not even, it's what, not even like it's not even, yeah. it's not even, it's it's like a bit of a discount where you're like, yeah. okay, I can really, I can find the money for that. And he said he didn't want to give me um uh the referral and he just gave me Valium instead. Mm. Which is like it's dangerous. so ridiculous, yeah. so dangerous and so irresponsible because I was 22 then. Mm. I got pretty 22 year old who's come to you saying, I want like CBT, I want, I want talk therapy. I, I, I don't want medication. I just want talk therapy. I just feel very anxious and I feel like I have a lot going on. It's like, oh, here's a Valium. Here's a Valium. So then I had the Valium and I guess maybe put a trigger warning at the side of the show or whatever, but I had the Valium like that weekend. And I had like one Valium and I like drank a fuck ton of vodka. And then I like didn't like do anything, but I, I went, I went, I walked to a bridge to jump off. Um, wow. But I called Lifeline. You know, you drive past Lifeline signs on bridges. Like, who does that save? I would always be like, I'd always be like, <laughs> I would always be like the person to be like, ah, oh, if you're at that point. Like, um, but I called Lifeline. The ambulance came, and I stayed the night in the in the in the. Um, I don't know if it was a psych ward. I think it was just a normal hospital bed. And they were like, okay, you can go now. Like, it was so weird. It was a it was the weirdest experience in the mental health system. So since then. Then I got a really good GP and he put me on Lexapro. And so I've been like, I've had three different therapists. Um, my current one is the best by far, but mm. I think it's more like I already was a very anxious person. And I think when I went on The Bachelor, when like I kind of started the whole thing, I was almost 24. So it had been about a year and a half since that incident. And I felt like I was feeling better. Um, and then I think because of my predispositions to anxiety, um, it's it's kind of allowed more to to like seep into me, if that makes sense. So I think mm. it's both that this career makes it harder, but also that I already had issues. I think that if I wasn't in media, I probably would be a a lot better mm. <laughs> mentally, like a lot better. Wow. But I think yeah, and then the ADHD. I got a a diagnosed with ADHD recently. Um, so I'm hoping that that also. Maybe if I get a medication for that, that helps the anxiety. Mm. I've had a lot of friends say that, you know, a, a good friend of mine, she struggled with severe depression, severe anxiety, like, like you know, not leaving the house for two weeks, had to quit her job, severe, severe, severe. And then she got an ADHD diagnosis and was on the medication and she's like, I mean, not completely fine because when you have that much that depression, but she's like completely functional. Mm. So I'm, I'm hoping that that kind of has some sort of, you know, resolution mm. yeah well thank you for being so like honest and open with your with your life stories um i'm really sorry to hear about to hear about that experience in 2017 like yeah i guess you know it just goes to show how poorly australia's mental health system is configured um you know when someone I was the same. I had a similar, very similar experience. Like it took me a very long time to get into therapy. There were just so many obstacles and like, 
I don't know, the area I live in, I was living in Carlton North at the time in Melbourne and all the GPs in the area became private practices. And it was like $100 oh. or $70 to see a GP or something. To even get to the GP. Yeah, to get to the to GP. To get the referral. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Exactly. So I was mm. like, I was like a student living at home with my single mom who raised me. Like, you know, I don't come from this like cashed up family. Um, and I was like, what the fuck do I do? Like, I literally can't afford to go to the GP to get the referral. And then, you know, yeah, to even start. And like, you know, I guess, as you said, it seems like things have changed over the past few years. But, you know, coincidentally, I was also put on Valium initially before any antidepressants. I think I'm one year younger than you. I was born in 96. Mm-hmm. You were yeah. born in 95? 95, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so like, you know, it's funny. I It seems like, yeah, we were very in sync with our like, you know, mental health timeline um, kind of decline. Um, yeah. So 2015, 2016, 2014, 2015, 2016 were the years where my depression was the worst. Um, I was studying a crazy degree law and biomed, um, you know, full-time study and also like extremely depressed, went to see a GP. They were like, you know, two options, either you go on you go, you, either you try Valium or you go on antidepressants. So this was very early on. They were like either antidepressants or Valium. I was like, no, I don't want either. Like I want therapy. They're like, oh, I don't know. Don't think you're eligible for the mental health care plan, blah, blah, blah. So it didn't happen for either. Didn't go on either. And then my GP was like, look, you need Valium. You're very anxious. And so I started using Valium. Not often, but like, you know, like once a month or something. And it was pretty helpful. Um, but it just kind of made me like, you know, zonked. Like I just become like this like sloth and like just sleep. It didn't really do. Yeah. It calmed me down, but it calmed me down to the point where like I would just fall asleep and then I'd wake up and be anxious again the following day or whatever. Um, so yeah, Valium is a very strange drug. Um, uh, you know, I don't think it ever helped me. I think it just put me to sleep, which like isn't ideal when you're depressed and already sleeping a lot. Yeah. Uh, See, Valium for me works now because I, because I use it like in conjunction with therapy and I, it it, it makes me go from, I can feel when I need a Valium and then I'll kind of, it's almost like I'm dissociating almost. I'm so anxious and then I'll have it. I'll be back in reality. Right. But Uh. if you're already, so I'm on the other end of the spectrum, right? So it's bringing me down to probably like just a normally anxious person rather than being like on the verge of a panic attack. But for someone who's depressed, it kind of, just pushes you like sleep it sleep it off. <laughs> yeah. It's like I'm already sleeping all the time, babe. Yeah, yeah. 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 But yeah, like, you know, I, I'm also like I think, you know, my psychiatrist who I've seen weekly for the past like f- three years, he thinks that the central like challenge for me is anxiety and not depression. He thinks that's like the driving force for the depression. Um, or behind the depression, which is really interesting. And so, you know, I like, I do feel a lot more calm because like, I am pretty highly strung. Um, and like, you know, there were, I have had panic attacks. I had like two panic attacks where I was hospitalized, which was pretty bad. Um, but yeah, you're dying. You literally think you're having a heart attack. Yeah. Yeah. I've, yeah. I've had ones where I couldn't feel my limbs and I thought that I had, um, 
bacterial meningitis. Oh you know my that? god! Yeah, <laughs> I was like, I I called my sister. I was like, I'm, and I couldn't feel my limbs. And you, I, and my sister's gone to the hospital thinking she had a heart attack. Like you literally think you're dying. Yeah, and then the you're worst like, okay. uh, <laughs> <laughs> and it makes it worse. She's like, I'm dying, and I'm dying, and I'm dying, and I'm dying. <laughs> and then you're like in hospital, and they're like you're fine. Here's a Valium. You're like, oh, thank you. Thanks so much. Thank you. <laughs> mm. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, um, therapy. So like. I'm I'm interested. So you said you're on Lexapro. No, I, I've been on Lexapro oh, you've been on it. for for two periods. Yeah. The first period it worked pretty well, but I went off it. Why did I go off it? I went off it just for some stupid. I think I was like, oh, like I feel good, so I'm gonna go off it. Like, oh, yeah, mm. that's the whole point, babe. Um, and then the second time I went on it after my my grandma passed away, and I was right. it was the first lockdown, mm. so it was like all these things and my ex-boyfriend ghosted me so we were dating my grandma died wow. he was like i'll come over for dinner and then i sent him again anyway what? so yeah and i was and even on the phone i was like i know you always you always bail on emotional situations because he's really avoidant and i was like please don't promise me you're going to come and see me my, my grandma's just died he knew grandma and um he just didn't come over. Anyway, that's a whole other story. Oh my god! Um, he lived around the corner from me, around the corner, and I was like, "Do I just go to his house? Like, what the fuck?" So, um, the second time, and then I went off it because I couldn't come, and I was just like, "This is just not for me." Then mm. I went on Valdoxin, mm. um, which I think is more for anxiety. Very expensive. Like, oh, what is really? what? How much is Valdoxin? I don't, I don't, I've never had Oh, it. I don't have it. So Valdoxin no. is like, they call it the Rolls Royce of, me- of anxiety medication or something. That's what my doctor said. I was like, what the fuck? Wow, only the I best for Abby. Only, the, only best, the best, baby. baby. I feel like it was like, like 90 bucks a month or something. What? Which is like, Lexapro is like $12 a month. Like, Lexapro yeah, is very cheap. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Where it's, when it, and when it's $3 a pill, like, what? Um, so, and then I went off that because I had a panic attack one day about my liver, um, not functioning. Fuck. Yeah. And because I hadn't got my blood test. So I'm currently actually, I need to find time to get a blood test today to go back on it. But, and it worked well. It just was like, there were all these like side effects about like your liver and kidney functions. And I was just like, I had a panic attack because I hadn't done the um the testing and then because of how busy I am I had I was sobbed like screaming about the fact that I don't have time to get the testing and you know it was just it was like a snowball and I was like you know what I'm just gonna go off it and so I can get the testing mm. then I feel better mm. yeah true wow mm. and so now you're you're sober well I'm still doing Valium um okay. and I'm trying I'm really trying to um like restrict it a bit more because mm. I don't and I'm not when I say I'm like using it too much I don't fucking daily mail if you make a headline out of this i don't mean like i'm popping 10 valleys a day mm. i mean i feel like i'm relying on it too much whereas i used to be like how you said like once a month and i would go back for a script renewal and they'd be like when was your last script and i'd be like oh like 18 months ago and then mm. i'm just like oh my god that's a and i lost half a packet you know but now it's like i'm probably have like one valium a week mm. which again isn't like it's not like it's like overusing and the doctors mm-hmm. say that that's normal but for me i think it's more like a coping it's a coping thing like i'll feel really and i should be able to just use um i don't know other things and i think that's ever since i've been off about oxen mm. so it's kind of like getting that like balance right right and I, there's, there's obviously no shame in using valium but i am worried particularly in my line of work i've 
I have amazing, um, like an amazing makeup artist who's been in the industry for decades and she's kind of like my Sydney mum. And then I have a stylist, like similar kind of vibe. And they always talk to me about like addiction and being careful. And I hear all these horror stories about people, you know, having addictions to various drugs and being alcoholics and, you know, going on, on stage drunk and, and, you know, just to speak or going on live television on awful drugs. And I, I, I just, I'm really scared of that like slippery slope. Mm. So I, I, I don't want to start relying on a substance because Valium also stops working as well the more you mm. take it. So yeah. I don't want to be taking five Valium to be able to go on live TV when I yeah. used to be able to do it. So, you know what I mean? I feel like I just don't want to leave any room for me to me to um, become an addict in that way because I, I think that my industry and also I think ADHD has a higher, I, I, you know, there's so many things that I'm like, I just don't want to risk it. So I'm trying to not use it as a coping mechanism, but more as a, like a reaction to a panic attack. And I think that's, it's really wise of you to be careful especially when it comes to addiction, because you're right, you know, you're working in an incredibly high stress industry and like, you know, people who are extremely high performing um, have a tendency to, you know, be doing, to have like vices and habits that like allow them to keep performing at a high level all the time. And a lot of the time it's drugs. Yeah. And it's also really easy to get drugs. Yeah. Like it, like it really is very easy for anyone to get drugs to, to, to use as a coping mechanism. That's the issue as well. There's like, there's money, there's accessibility and there's kind of like a reason to use it. So that's why there's so many addicts. And I just, I just don't want to, I just don't want there to be a 60 minutes about my recovery. You know what I mean? Mm, like, yeah. like, let's just skip it. Like, let's yeah. just like be Fuck extra that. cautious. I guess that's why my anxiety is kind of helping me. Cause I'm like so stressed about being like <laughs> being like, I've heard stories about people that like no one would ever think, you know, and I just, it, it concerns me. It really concerns mm. me, you know? Mm. Yeah, it is. It is concerning. Um, have you like, have you ever been worried about your vices? Like, do you, do you have any vices that like, you know, yeah, have been like, have gotten in the way of you doing things? No. So this is the thing. I don't really drink. I don't smoke. I don't, I, I, you know, I don't really do anything. I think it's more like a preemptive fear. I, I drink with my friends obviously on the weekend, but I'm not like a bottle a day bitch. I, the only thing. I think this is like the first time that I've been worried. That's the Valium. That's mm. the, I think that's kind of the main thing. And maybe that's why, because I've, n- I've never been someone to even like really binge drink. Mm. Like mm. my friends have always been like begging me to stay out past midnight. So mm. it's like, I'm at, I just go home and go to bed. So I, I think, yeah, I've always been pretty good with it, to be honest, mm. which has been very lucky. Yeah. That's, that is really good. And I'm the same. Like I never really drank, um, like, Never smoked a cigarette in my life. Yeah, I tried to, um, and then I got tummy sick. So I, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "That's my tummy." So yucky. I, I, I know yucky, and I'll, I'll like vape if I'm like very drunk and out with someone. I'm like, "Give me a taste," and I'll cough, and I'm like, "Oh no!" <laughs> like this, you know? Yeah. yeah, yeah, true. Last question. Uh, so one, so I studied philosophy for a couple of years. And the reason why I started studying philosophy is kind of like, you know, pretty stupid, like the kind of classic 
um, you know, angsty teen question, like, what's the meaning of life? Um, and I started with that question and I was like, this is a stupid question um, because there's no answer. And the point is that there's no answer. And then I forgot about the question and didn't think about it for four years. And that brings me to now where like literally yesterday I finished like a 13 week, nine to five full-time software engineering course. And this morning I woke up and I was like, what next? Like what, you know, like I actually, I have a lot of, fortunately I have a lot of options at the moment. Like what next? What is the point of like constantly moving forwards? So I was wondering what, like, you know, do you have an idea of what the meaning of life is? Do you know like why you get out of bed in the morning? Do you know why you fly around the country so often? What drives you? Like what is, what is the purpose behind all the things you do? This is, this actually has become increasingly, I never used to really think about it. I used to kind of be like, you know, we're just here and we're organisms and we just figured out this this weird way to live and, and, and it'll all be all right and then we die. And then I think um, as more people and animals in my life are dying, I'm becoming much more fearful of even touching that subject. And I think that my anxiety allows me to spiral. I'll, I'll kind of stop and try and pause. Like, yeah, why am I here and why am I, like you said, like flying around the country and and working so so hard and so much. And even like I get to the point of like I'll be sitting filming a show and this is why I had like before I have to think like this is just work. Sometimes I'll like sit and film a show and I'll be sitting there and I'll be like, what the fuck is this? Like looking at a live audience, like it just, you're like, what the fuck is the point of all this? Like we're all in our silly little outfits and our silly little makeup and our silly little microphones. And like then it's like then I think like how did how did, how did microphones come about? And then it's like why are we even on fucking TV? What even? I I get very existential. So honestly, babe, I try to not think about it because then <laughs> I will have a full blown like with Marco having cancer, like my my grandma passing away, and then like my um my auntie, like my my mum's brother's wife's mums like my grandma figure my life is also really sick and she's suddenly dying and then you know people's parents dying and like you know COVID I think I used to not really think about it um or my thoughts were kind of much more like oh whatever like it doesn't really and then lately I've just been so scared to even even touch it because I I can't even I can't even begin. And it's made, it's made me really, really fearful of death. Like really, like every time I'm on the plane now, I am like, sh- like shaking. Like I, I'm very, very mm. scared. So I don't know, babe, I wish I had an answer. When you find out, can you text me? Can no, you be I'll like, babe, I figured it sure. out. Yeah. I cracked it. I cracked it. <laughs> I cracked it. <laughs> I'm like, thank fuck. Cause it's, 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 you know, you could sit, you could sit for hours thinking about it, but I think there's never going to, like you said, there's never going to be an answer. So I'm just going to cause myself to have severe, severe anxiety. And I, and I used to love learning about history a lot more. And now I can't do it because I think they're all dead. Mm. And, I, and I'm like, but where they go? Like, it's genuinely that basic of thought that I'm having now. Like I'm a five-year-old being like, but they're dead. So where did they go? And that starts a spiral that I can't begin. So that's why I always just watch Real Housewives now. Because it's so that's, easy to not that's think. Philosophy. That's philosophy. <laughs> a real housewife. Yeah. Real philosophy. <laughs> Whoa. 
Oh, well, hey, thank you. Thank you for thank your time. You. Thank no you for worries. your thoughts. Um, this has been so lovely chatting with you, Abby. Yeah, you too. So good to talk to you. Thanks, Gorge. Bye. Thanks, Abby. See you later. Bye. Bye.